0: Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design, and I'm here with Bruce uh, Trethowan. He's a heritage architect and years, many years of experience. And really, when you think of heritage in Melbourne, he's one of the names that regularly pops up in conversation. Welcome to the program. Mm, thank you, Stu. Bruce, heritage is such a complex area, and when most people think of heritage buildings, they go back to Victorian times and say, oh, yes, but it's an old building and, and we need to look after buildings from our past. But increasingly, we have to look at 20th century buildings. How do you start going about looking at 20th century buildings or even buildings from the past? What makes something heritage and what makes something not so valuable? Mm, that's, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I
1: think the way you start to look at heritage is trying to disseminate the knowledge that architecture has evolved over time. And generally that's done in terms of putting a style onto a particular um, series of buildings. And maybe that style equates to a period or maybe it, it equates to a more more idealistic aspect that is perhaps perpetuated over a number of decades. Um, so we might talk about modernism um, as a particular. St- it, it is a particular style, and it, I guess it, it started in, in Melbourne, for instance, in the 1950s. Uh, though there are, are, are several precursors, People like Harold
0: Desbrowania. Yes, we well, it's a,
1: early modernist. You could call him an early modernist, and then you move through to modernism. People are sort of almost reviving it now. But it's, a more, it's, a different, it's got a different take to it than perhaps it did in that golden period of the, of the 1950s and early 1960s. And then you, you actually have to then take that, take that style and say, well, what multi-storey office buildings were built in that period in that style? So you then have a whole uh, grab bag of examples, some of which exist, some of which are demolished. And then you say, well, these these are within that grab bag of demolished and um, demolished and existing buildings. These are the best examples because, and you've got to be able to put a case. because. And
0: it, what is the because? Is it be, is it that add on or that argument because it's unique in style, unique in the construction, the way it was built, unique in terms of cultural significance, who lived there, does that play into it or not so much?
1: Mm. Well, the first word you've got to not use is unique because it's a very difficult word to use when you're arguing against a barrister, for instance, because it means there's only one off, one of it.
0: And is that the case in some instances? Uh, it,
1: in, in rare instances, it is the case, but it's, it's um, so you've got to say it's important because and then it'd be caught in because it's it's for the examples that you've cited um, and you've got to then have facts to back it up that it was designed by an important architect like for instance Bates Martin McCutcheon as they practiced at the time Uh, or it was associated with a particular organization that was important in the evolution of the Australia's economy like BHP or Conzinc Rio Tinto um, or, or it may be important um, purely on, a, on, a, on an aesthetic basis for an architect who has actually grasped the importance of the style and applied it in a very refined way.
0: Um, Bruce, who, who... who I mean, look, you don't have to answer this question because, you know, you can't play favouritisms, but if you reflect on the 20th century or early 20th century or even late, late 20, 20th century into the... 21st century who yes. are the architects in Melbourne that really stand out for you that you know if you come across these people's work you need to stand back and just take it in
1: take it in that's very interesting well um I, I think that um uh it it's uh, it's it's often very hard to make that judgment when you're so close to the period that you're you're considering For instance, we could go back to the early 20th century and we can look at it slightly more objectively than... um, uh, um, More recent past. More recent past, because there there might be an architect like, for instance, Robert Haddon. Speaking of Robert? We don't know a lot about him as a person. We don't know his personality. We're looking at his buildings entirely on the basis of what we see and how beautiful they are. Um, But you might move into... into the more recent past, and you might say, "Well, um, nobody liked that that person, that architect. They weren't they weren't very nice." So, um, but that's nobody, got nothing to do
0: with it. Well, has it's it? got
1: nothing to do with it, but it does have something to do with people's people's perception of the building because the architect is still, in fact, there and And there are some reason, i'm not I don't yeah. have to mention any names, but there are some not not currently practicing artists but perhaps recently deceased ones who actually weren't a personalities you wanted to sit down and have dinner with because they were difficult people because they had the ideas of ideals of what they wanted to portray, and as such they would not compromise
0: so does that often? Go against them um, in in whether their buildings are given significance on the. Well, it
1: shouldn't. It shouldn't go against them. But um, in 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 trying to assess them objectively, when um, the recent past, it, it it taints the, it taints the the perhaps the, the 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 judgment, of 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 how they of who of, of their work because, um, the you can you can still see the. Um, like I say with some of my buildings, there's still blood on it.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, you know, I can't look at it again because there's, it's, there's still blood on it. So you've got to be very careful to take away that um,
0: so, personality so he-
1: that, that is actually quite important anyway. That the personality of the architect, I think, or the artist, it doesn't matter what it is, is
0: um, something that's interesting. I mean, we've, ha- you know, if in Melbourne, for example, and I can't talk for other cities as much. But, you know, in Sydney, you have Sydney Anchor and you have some um, uh, Wilkinson. Yes. You know, they're all very significant architects. In Melbourne, we tend to celebrate people and people like uh, Robin Boyd have an important legacy to Melbourne. Do you feel, because he was a commentator and because he was also, um, you know, he talked about his work regularly in the press and he wrote about architecture, that Mm. a lot of other post-war architects... In the, working in the fifties and sixties, haven't got the uh, recognition that they deserve. That's
1: that's possibly true, um, particularly when it comes to Robin Boyd, who was who was um, s- across so many different sorts of media. media. Uh, whereas a more introverted modernist, um, for instance, and I'm, I'm it's hard to sort of who may have been a partner of a large firm like, for instance, Roy Simpson. Um, Designed some early houses, many of them which are now disappeared. With David Yunkin. Well, he uh, wasn't. Do you, well, all of those. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know whether what. Uh, you, there's a few Yunkins around, but yeah. um, there's. But the, they become more anonymous, so therefore they're not. Um, they're not necessarily picked up as quickly, uh, uh, but a considered architectural analysis would actually pick them up, um, but that requires. A bit of experience and a bit of
0: digging too. Um, the as we move through the decades, I mean, houses, um, buildings uh, from the 60s and 70s are gaining in popularity, particularly with the, uh, a younger audience. If we look at people like Holger and Holger, mm. who are really one of my favourite architects mm-hmm. from that period, very little of their work is actually recognised. Or heritage listed. Mm, I don't think any of it is. is I it? don't think it is. Mm, which is really
1: sad because, um, sad for a number of reasons, because most of their clients Oof. were Jewish and the Jewish community have such a wonderful evolving um, persona that they, they they wanted to reflect in their house where they've come from, which was generally from nothing. And they have they wanted to be modern. They wanted and to be flamboyant. contemporary. And And in some cases flamboyant. And those houses that Melbourne has a good collection of them or had a good collection of them, um, perhaps is a better way of putting it, is, is that, that they're such special houses. And I, I remember when I was young, I had a very good friend and he lived in a house that was designed by Peter McIntyre. In East Ivanhoe.
0: the Snellman House.
1: N- no, the no, Snellman House was designed by by Robin Boyd, I think, or someone like that. No, this was a house designed by Peter McIntyre, and it was, mm. um, uh, it was beautiful. I'd, I'd never been into a house like this before because it was so total, and uh, mm. there was beautiful art and wonderful modern furniture and beautiful finishes. And I remember the kitchen was bright orange. Everything was orange, and there were those vinyl orange dining chairs, kitchen chairs that were also... The whole place, even the orange cookware, you know, that
0: Le Couset cook was orange, and it was just... And I just couldn't believe this. Um, so there would have been soon house. after... Just before gradu- graduating as an architect. Oh, this was
1: 1962, so this I was... was so i well had This is just one of those things that you that point yeah. you in the direction of where you're going to go for the rest of your life. But, um, is it, it, was, it still there? it's The house is still there, but of course, the orange kitchen I think has been renovated by someone who 's got better taste and it 's now off white or something um, so that's the, those distinctive things have gone, and the same for Holger and holger they, their interiors were very fa- were fanciful as you know fanciful and and, it and took you away exquisite uh, in, exquisite, but they took you away they were just they were fantastically crazy. Uh, Because there were people who wanted to be out there and do things. You said I think we were discussing one house and it used to have a retractable ballroom Yeah, ball, well a big entertaining room. Well, they I probably think it didn't still have does, doors. And, and it and
0: you had a retractable roof and so mm. the guests could actually see the sky while yes. they were dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Which perhaps people don't entertain these days, particularly given COVID. Yes. <laughs> but yes. you know That's in the sixties and seventies mm. entertaining was really done at home on the big scale. Mm. And mm. it was quite mm. extraordinary. Mm. The other thing I was going to ask you Bruce, when you're looking at at houses and you must get called on all the time and not just houses buildings the approach to to actually look at a heritage building once it is given heritage status and you're asked to come in or you know because you do contemporary work as well there seems to be a bit of a, a muddied approach there's that um very uh, the borough charter, for example, states mm-hmm. that you have to do a clear separation between the old and new. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that's actually quite jarring and doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And mm. how do you go about not doing that? Or do you, is that just the approach and that's the only way? Or can you offer another option like making it a bit blurred so you actually don't know where the new and the old start? You don't want to reproduce what's been there but you don't want this sharp division either or is it just you have to follow the barra charter and that is mm. well there's there's architect
1: architects all have their way of wanting to do things and then you get that overlay of heritage that says i'm sorry you can't demolish this house you have to keep it um and then you get to this business of facades and whatever and um and if a building is highly significant, then you're actually talking about the interior as well. But for most heritage buildings, sadly, it's just the facade. It's just. It's almost because the the, the controls come through planning. It's just what you look at from the street. So it's. So it's that's a bit
0: disappointing. It's
1: well. It's a very facile way of retaining. Um, is Australia heritage. lagging in that area? Um I think so. I think so, and i'm I'm hoping that uh, recent it it's it's lagging because of the whole planning um and heritage legislation that that isn't that could be applied rigorously but uh, over a number of years hasn't been applied as rigorously, perhaps as it could be. and I think we're starting to see a bit of a turn away from from that more lackadaisical approach to heritage where it, uh, to, to something that's a little bit more meaningful than just keeping a facade, uh, which applies very... which And it's terribly important when you look at a lot of 20th-century design because there were, a 20th-century house was very often a, a place where you lived and it wasn't just sort of there's the front sitting rooms and there's the kitchen and there's the maids' room and you could finally get out the dunny out the back. It was all integrated into an open plan or a, a lifestyle... And if you keep the facade of that, you're actually only keeping... Well, you're not keeping anything about what
0: actually, the whole ethos
1: of the house is about.
0: Uh, I mean, it's almost better to pull it down, isn't it?
1: Well... Um, it's kind of a sore memory. It, it, it can be a sore memory, but I don't think it's better to pull it down in a way because um, at least you've got something physical there. And before things are pulled down, though, they should be recorded... Um, and we were talking, uh, you, you and I remember a, a Holger and Holger house that I think you did an article way back in For the... Wallpaper Magazine. ..in magazines. the 70s, yeah. and fortunately uh, you had a photographer who fo- photo- photographed the whole interior beautifully, and the interior's gone, but the house is still there. So you can actually go back and... Uh, you won't necessarily put it back together because it was so bizarre, you couldn't ever re- uh, well, reproduce what it. Well, that's my
0: next question, Bruce, is when how often does it happen with you or with your clients they buy um, a heritage house it could be listed or not listed and then they say look bruce or one of your team say look we actually want to restore it back to the way it was Mm. does that often happen or is it just not really it
1: doesn't happen with houses um, because houses are um uh, there's very few people who want to live in a Victorian house like the Victorians did so hello we have mm. to have electricity and computers um we have to we, we we don't necessarily want to cook a meal and everyone's sitting in the dining room waiting to be waiting to eat it so there's a whole lifestyle thing about Victorian houses that that mm. you just can't. but when we did the region theatre for instance there's another there's an, another um deg- another extreme but the Plaza Cinema, or the Plaza Ballroom, as it originally was, had been completely gutted by the City of Melbourne when they built the city square. It had gone completely. Um, but we managed to put it all back again through photographs. It's possible to actually...
0: So it happens reinstate, very occasionally.
1: ...reinstate an interior um, uh, and, to an extent, an exterior, providing you've got good evidence. And from a heritage perspective, you can't... Put back something that's Victorian if you don't know what it looked like originally, because then it's then it's um, then it's seen as um, not correct. We're, we're doing a house at the moment in East Melbourne. We know what it looked like from the outside because someone took an aerial view of the MCG back in the nineteen forties, and there's the there's the house. You can see the house, but the image is very blurred. So you know it has a two-story veranda on it, but you don't know exactly what that two-story veranda looked like. So you And can, you'll
0: be recreating what you think it looked like.
1: Well, we have to recreate something that people can look at and say, "Well, that's not something that's Victorian. It it must have been done recently." It's got detailing on it that isn't is is intrinsically non Victorian. The- Um, but it speaks of the past but it speaks of the past so that that, that's a very hard one to to in in other cases you can find photographs that accurately show um what a building looked like um if you if you're lucky and then you can put back exactly what was there providing you have the evidence of what it what was what was there and you can find it very often you can find more than you think you can find but um you have to be careful about putting back something
0: that it, um, I mean ones. as for your research team at um, Drathowan it must be a huge joy when you do go into a house and you piece together something and it's you know problem solving really, yes oh you, yes you, you are solving you, problems You you kind of uh, discovering things that were either in a shed in the back garden, that you mm. know, or something under the floorboards that had been, you know, just thrown away. Thrown away. Mm. And mm. that must be wonderful. Yes,
1: yes. It it, it, it has its it has its uh, really ecstatic moments of finding something that allows you to put the whole jigsaw together because you've you've got that tiny piece that allows you to make is there, the
0: whole is there something that you can recall recently or from the distant past that was that tiny piece and you said oh it's just all coming together um well i think
1: it, it, it it's where it's all where it's actually come together is where you find um an old photograph um and you realize that what everyone's been saying is wrong uh, and here's the facts. And sorry, guys, you're all wrong. Um, and photographs are the things that, that do that. And and that's that's sort of satisfying that you've actually righted a wrong that that could have gone on for quite a long time. But
0: it probably added uh, the, to the, the damage. Mm, but
1: the other problem with heritage, too, of course, is that. Um, An alteration that's taken place to a Victorian house, for instance, in the early part of the 20th century, these days can be important as well. So by taking away that alteration... You're actually taking away the history of the building.
0: So you'd like to see things read through history, a bit like layering yes, the past. And yes. And if that if that addition was by a significant architect, then that becomes part of the story, the heritage story. Yes,
1: and shouldn't be taken away, which which yeah. can be which some and, and others for some people might find that a bit difficult. That it's a Victorian house, but yes, it's been altered in the early part of the 20th century, and so we can't take it back to the Victorian house because these alterations are actually quite important. Like at Bishop's Court, for instance. Bishop's Court's one of the oldest Italianate houses in um, Melbourne. And it had an extensive series of uh, dining rooms, etc., that was demolished, and they put a Queen Anne wing on the side of the building. So you've got this this house that's got two. It's built in two styles, and people say, "Oh, let's let's demolish the old bit and the, the red brick stuff, and and make it all what it was." But of course, that's that's taking away a huge slab of history, and
0: and is not not perhaps the way it should be. You mentioned um, Bruce just prior to sitting down that. You know, there's, there's the 80s is strong, but only certain parts of that post Memphis or that Memphis period in the early 80s was, is kind of experienced a bit of a revival. Who are the architects we should be looking out for, or well, you don't want to commit to that? Well, no, there, there are. Who there is are... people from the more recent past that you think they mightn't be recognised or mainstream now, but you mm. kind of see mm. their work and you think, oh, they need to be looked after? well it's it's very hard for that style because a
1: lot of those examples have already been gone they've either gone because it was a different time in the 80s we we were moving in a different time and place um a, a lot of them have gone and a lot of them um are are perhaps in a stage where they're not loved uh, there's the um um uh, that's the school way out in the Melton Melton Way by. um, um
0: so Daryl Jackson?
1: No, 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 no. It's 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 by um, uh, I can't recall his name, but it's quite a postmodern sort of complex of buildings. It's on the heritage register. And Daryl did some. Daryl Jackson did some. Had a little postmodern phase, and his offices in Melbourne were really sort of quite postmodern up there in Little Bourke Street. And his initial his initial approach to the Melbourne Business School is only the it's only the gossamer is there because it was actually all pink, and now the and light blues and that, that mm. sort of palette of colours, and they've all been. Um, Glossed, glossed over. And we worked I worked on one Collins Street, um, with Denton Corker Marshall and going back to that period you can see there's postmodern aspects in in, in in that building too. And that was at one stage we were going to have that building pink as well until I recall Barry said, Look Bruce, what colour you what colour are we going to do the heritage buildings that we're keeping? And I said, They're going to be grey, Barry. He said, let's do the let's do the multi story building in grey rather than pink well i think it'd be better if it was in grey um which which shows his sensitivity because he was actually doing something that worked from mm. the the site but um but it also probably if it was pink it would have been grayed out a long time ago anyway but um yeah so there are there are little little snippets of of really quite interesting um post-modernism uh, around but you you've they're they're becoming less and less and but also and there wasn't there wasn't a lot going on in Melbourne yeah. in that period either. The 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 early nineteen eighties was a pretty pretty austere recession? time.
0: Recession. Yeah, it
1: was an austere time. I mean Collins Place had just been finished and otherwise Collins Street was 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 not what it is today. Um the Zinc Rio Tinto building mm. was still there and that
0: went when they uh, built one, when you see um people doing the wrong thing so for instance a client rings you up and you inspect it and they've already hoed into something how does it make you feel well these days i think um or you think people are more savvy people are a little bit more um
1: more circumspect about what they do they don't they don't venture off and demolish without really looking around and saying um, uh, can I do that I mean I think the the planning legislation has stopped that uh, significantly so um, and so we have to tell them no you can't demolish it because it's got protection you can keep the first two rooms and then you can do your modern addition on the back or something Mm -hmm. like that but um, they have to know that at the beginning because otherwise it's going to cost
0: them time and money
1: and, and it's probably better don't.
0: for when people are buying certain properties. If, if if it's that significant and they want to do something really different, it's probably not right for them. It's not right for them. They exactly. should move it on, mm. move on, and say, "Look, I, I won't buy that property or touch mm. it. It's just not going to find something. It's not going to work for me. Mm. Mm. And mm. Um, find something else. Um, but." Look, it's, it's a great area. I mean, it's something I've been interested in for years. Oh, Stephen, you're a pioneer well, of I love, design. Well, yeah. I, love, I, th- I love going through old houses and seeing the the pleasure people get from the history mm. Um, mm. of the house and mm. and how it evolved and the, the stories behind it. Mm. I mean, I just covered a house for a magazine in, in, in New South Wales, in Bellevue Hill, and... And, you know, the stories, it was the owner was on his honeymoon and so the lead light was featured hearts everywhere. Mm, mm. And that already speaks to you. Mm, mm, And you feel mm, like that's part of the architecture. mm, mm, mm. It's not hard.
1: It's not hard if someone has the sensitivity, as you obviously have, to walk into a house and start seeing the story. Um, But it also takes an imagination to sort of make the story um, people and to build on it mm, to build on a story and uh, even even a humble miner's cottage you can walk into and you can see the hardship um, that people were living in in sort of the back blocks of Ballarat or Bendigo
0: so to put in a glitzy kitchen is not going to be kind of right
1: well it's not but you know <laughs> we can't keep every miner's cottage so and and they're very fragile pieces of pieces of construction anyway mostly constructed of Mm. timber and solid bricks and you know Mm. um, so that the stories can be told the heritage can survive but the buildings don't necessarily have to survive with it without photographs without the documentation that Mm. gives you the idea of what the house might have looked like these photographs Mm. actually also give you uh, an appreciation of what was life was like and how people lived and worked at the time.
0: Well, um, Bruce, look, thanks so much for coming onto to the program. I could spend the whole afternoon talking about heritage and older buildings, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, look, thanks so much for coming onto to the program. Mm, thank you, Steve. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. You've been listening to Stephen Crafty. Talking Design is produced by RMIT University and brought to you in partnership with Melbourne City Council. If you'd like to stay up to date with all things Talking Design, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TalkingDesign underscore.